Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Thriller Crypto. Today, we're talking back to ex-CEO Kelly Leffler taking a seat on the CFTC. We also have Christina Lagarde saying, don't be sad about private stablecoins. And then finally, in the main topic, we are talking the future of decentralized entertainment. That's right. We got Zach LeBeau and Troy Murray. We're going to talk all about it. Thriller Crypto, starting now. Welcome to a brand new year of Thriller Crypto, baby. <laughs> Today is January 9th, 2020, and there's a lot of news. Let me tell you, it's been a very busy week in crypto and in Bitcoin, and we have a lot to discuss. So let's jump into it. First up, we have ex-CEO of BACT, Kelly Leffler, has recently been placed in the U.S. Senate for the state of Georgia. Take a listen. I had no favors to repay and no intention of making any backroom deal. While unorthodoxed, we opened a process to everyone. We were open, transparent, and successful in finding Georgia's next U.S. Senator. In total, over 500 hardworking Georgians offered themselves for service. Men and women who were willing to put their lives on hold. Mothers and fathers, business leaders, great elected officials, friends and neighbors who wanted to be part of the solution not just complain about the problems. While only one can go to D.C. and represent our interest in the Senate, I do hope those that submitted resumes will find alternative ways to serve their community and our state. We need more people to roll up their sleeves and get to work. We need more Georgians who are willing to sacrifice their time and talents for the greater good. We need less critics and more public servants. I also, ask, I also ask those who applied to rally around our new senator, to unite over a shared vision for our future, help champion policies and people that will build a better Georgia. There's one thing I know for certain when it comes to making significant reforms, and that is this. We are better and stronger together. Today, I'm proud to announce that conservative businesswoman and political outsider, Kelly Leffler, will be Georgia's next U.S. Senator. That's right. I know. Looky us. Now she is also assigned to serve on the CFTC Senate Agriculture Committee. Uh-huh. Looky, looky. Look at that. And then finally, <laughs> I mean, check this out. Her husband is also... We know this. You know this. Jeffrey Spreaker. He's the CEO of Intercontinental Exchange. The same exchange. They have dozens of exchanges across the world, but they own a little exchange called Bact. That's right. And of course, everybody's in a heap storm out there in the crypto sphere. Everybody's complaining that it's a conflict of interest, blah, 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 blah. Yes, 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 we see this. But let's 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 go back to the basics here. Kelly 
That's right. She actually became one of the most influential people within the crypto space in a short amount of time. She was a CEO of the Bitcoin futures trading platform that was launched by ICE about a year ago, right? She's the owner of the New York Stock Exchange, right? Or part owner of it. And then not only that, but she's kind of introduced this whole new institutional approach to Bitcoin. And she's making some noise out there. Enough noise to where she finally said yes to taking a seat for the state of Georgia. Now, this was recently reported by the Wall Street Journal, and they said that she'll serve now on the Senate Agriculture Committee with the Commodity and Futures Trading Commission, the CFTC. I'm just saying it's looking it's looking pretty good. And and people are worrying. They're like, well, what's going to happen to Bact and, and this and that? You guys forget they have Adam White. He was the uh, ex, I think he's a CEO, but he used to work at Coinbase. He was right there. He knows how the space <laughs> works. They'll be fine. Back will be fine. But everybody's just upset about it. I like to say, you know what? Um, does, it, does it benefit us in the crypto space and the Bitcoin space? Absolutely. Will we see more regulation geared towards us? Hopefully, fingers crossed. I mean, we, we have a better chance than ever right now. And uh, this is overall good for the space. This is good news. But is there conflict of interest? There's always a conflict of interest these days, you know? Okay, let's get on to the next piece of news. Next up, we have Christina Laguard. That's right. She's the European Central Bank president. She recently said in an interview that the prospect of central bank initiatives should neither discourage nor crowd out private market-led solutions for fast and efficient retail payments in the euro area. She says, clearly there's demand out there that we have to respond to. And some of these companies are ahead of the curve. Now, we know that the president in the past has said that there could be significant implications for the financial system if this goes the wrong way. There's also Facebook dealing with their whole kind of Libra project. And nevertheless, considering the launch of its new uh, CBDC, if the private sector fails to create an efficient solution for cross-border payments, does it leave it on the you know euro committee to do this does it does it fall to the imf i mean ultimately what are we going to do here christina lagarde do we play do we have an active role in this field do we not do we observe what do we do i don't know but she's talking about it and she wants to make sure that she's kind of spearheading this in the direction that she wants private companies to take the reins of this which is good for crypto it's good for all of us i think eventually We'll get there. And honestly, some of us are already there within the space, right? We use this stuff on a daily basis. We buy and sell things, right? With our own crypto, with our own Bitcoin. But there's some people that don't. And that's just going to take time. We got the rest of the decade, hopefully, to incentivize people. And then in some great news, Ethereum developer Virgil Griffin has been released on bond shortly after being indicted. That's right. Over allegations relating to a conference appearance in North Korea. Yeah. Yeah. According to the DOJ spokesperson, she said that the release had been delayed until he could satisfy his bail conditions. Nonetheless, those bail conditions have been satisfied. If you don't remember, he was arrested on Thanksgiving Day of all days. Gosh, what a bunch of assholes (laughs) for allegedly attending a cryptocurrency conference in North Korea where he spoke on how to use blockchain. 
turns out uh, <laughs> every podcast in the world broadcasts everywhere uh, with talking about blockchain and how we can save the world. Doesn't necessarily mean we're <laughs> hoping they, <laughs> they go through with it, right? I mean, all he's doing is sharing his expertise, but he got arrested for it. And then according to a complaint that was brought against Griffin on November 21st, he had sought approval to attend the conference, which was denied. And then he traveled anyway because fuck the government, right? (laughs) Well, that didn't go over so well. And despite receiving warnings not to go, he still traveled. And that's what the whole thing came into fruition. John Demers, assistant uh, attorney general for national security, said at the time that foremost adversaries like North Korea to the United States where he taught his audience how to use blockchain technology to evade sanctions. And yeah, so yeah, kind of sucks. But anyways, he's out on bail. Now's a good time to head over to, <laughs> to head over to, gosh, what's, what's, what's the name of that? Uh, what's the name of the, uh, man, I have it on the tip of my tongue. What's the name of that place you want to go? Uh, Belize. Yeah. Now's the time to go to Belize. Never be seen from again or do the McAfee approach. Uh, get on a boat and stay in international waters for the rest of your life. You could do that too. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think that's going to happen. But here at Thriller Crypto, we wish Virgil all the best. And uh, gosh, man, what a bummer. What a bummer place to be in jail on Thanksgiving Day. Gosh, it just makes everything worse, right? Jail. Okay. And then finally, our last piece of news we have Coinbase ruling out. An Android app. Yeah, for finally, for fuck's sake, finally, you finally roll it out. Coinbase Pro. It's on your phone. 100 countries. Allows trading, checking, portfolios on the go. It's nice. It's very nice. But, but they also announced today they're going to be releasing Atom to Coinbase Pro. What do you know? And finally, that's going to be a good thing. They haven't said anything about the staking part yet. But I know Coinbase, no, not Coinbase, Kraken actually launched um, staking this week for Tezos, I believe. And it's actually like several points higher than what Coinbase is currently offering. So way to go, Jesse. I mean, cool. Okay, I think that's it. I think that's all we got in news. There's some other stuff going on, but it's uh, just FUD, right? We don't need that in our lives. We don't need that FUD. Let's get on to interesting video of the day. Thriller podcast. Interesting crypto video of the day. All right. So today's interesting video has to do with the clusterfuck that is CES. <laughs> Seriously, it's 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 a madhouse over there. But it turns out we have some blockchain companies over there. We even have, believe it or not, Ethereum Darling, MakerDAO in the front row. That's right. They're they're talking about crypto, baby. Take a listen. Coindesk is on is on it. Coindesk is everywhere. They're on it. They're at CES and it's crazy. It's nuts. There aren't a lot of crypto companies here at CES, and I think Maker may be just about the only one, at least with a you know a booth, an official part of the program that's a that's a purely crypto. They don't have hardware or anything like that. So tell us a little bit more about why the Maker Foundation decided to come to this very mainstream non-crypto event. Mm. The 
most important aspect about that question is finding where the value is in crypto. Mm -hmm. And for us, the value is in the intersection of the blockchain world with the analog world. Mm -hmm. um, if you think about it, where does Bitcoin get its value from? It really is the centralized exchanges. Mm -hmm. So this realization needs to be a little bit more um, sort of spread. It needs to be a little bit more obvious to everyone that in order to make sure that crypto does realize its value, it's got to interact with the world that needs it. And it's the, I like to use it, uh, the, the traditional world, the analog world, it needs to find that necessary value. Mm -hmm. And a good step in doing that is coming to you know, shows like this, where everyone is talking about what is the real application of what, it, what uh, uh, the protocol is, or what your product is. And we think that the make a protocol fits into that really nicely because there is a pragmatic uh, um, use and a value proposition that needs to be messaged appropriately. So you guys have a booth on the floor yes. in this building, I think, right? Correct. Um, so what are, what, are you, what are you telling people? What do, what do the people who come to the booth need that you're telling them about? Well, there's really two groups of folks that come. Firstly, they're fans. Mm -hmm. And they come in, they want to talk about the details of the Maker Protocol. They want to go into the weeds, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, then the, the other group, they want to know what this is. Mm -hmm. And essentially, it is just representing to them very clearly that this is simply digital cash. Mm -hmm. And it's digital cash that comes in a form where there is a different sense of what security is, there's a different sense of what execution and settlement is. Mm -hmm. and even that is a little bit deep. Mm -hmm. And what we showcase is how you can use a point of sale system mm -hmm. using the stablecoin DAI. Mm -hmm. How you can use um, vendors and um, public blockchains along with private blockchains to actually affect the necessary transactions to cater for speed mm -hmm. as well as immutability and security. Uh -huh. So you've got this crisscross of uh, 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 the natural element of transparency uh -huh. that you get from Ethereum combined with the transaction speed and the components that folks are most used to in the traditional world. But what can, I mean, we're here in the United States in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Money works pretty well here. What is like the average Las Vegas CES show person coming through? What, what do they need? What do they need a stable point for? Well, it really boils down to having options mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, I think in the crypto space, you have a bevy of stable coins all pointing to each other two years ago saying we're better than um, that guy and so on and so forth. There's this natural need to be competitive where the obviousness is we actually need as many stable coins as possible. When you look at stable coins in relation to fiat currency, mm -hmm. it's just expanding or extending that option. Mm -hmm. It's extending that spectrum and saying, well, do you um, understand how your dollar works? Mm -hmm. Most folks say no, but it's a lot easier to say, do you trust your bank? Mm -hmm. And most folks go, well, I have to. I don't mm -hmm. really have any other choice. And if you say to them, well, the decentralization of money gives you another option where mm -hmm. you are completely in control and you have sovereignty over your money. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? And it takes a while to think about it and go, well, what does it really mean to me? Mm -hmm. That means that if your bank fails, your money still stays pretty safe. Yeah. So what does that, um, how does that f you know, sort of factor into your calculus yeah. in terms of how you approach your wealth, the money that you make, where you store it, and how you actually use it? Well, bringing up banks, that you guys have a recent update that maybe not everybody in the world knows about, maker mm -hmm. fans and followers know about yes. it, but uh, there is a way that you guys are beating the banks 
pretty resoundingly right now in terms of when people want to save with Dai. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about how, how that works and sort of bring us up to speed on, on what happened with, with saving Dai uh, and getting benefits from that? Okay, so I think if we can start with the, the, the simple description of the protocol as a collection of financial primitives. Mm -hmm. And what you can do with those primitives is create, so you could use those primitives to create a loan product if you want. And then you need to be appropriately regulated in your jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. So these primitives are the ability to collateralize, mm -hmm. to generate credit. And then the third one is to earn a return on your die that you've staked into the system. Right. And that is called the die savings rate. So what you have is a complete economic protocol mm -hmm. that allows the, uh, uh, the folks that look after the protocol mm -hmm. to earn fees from generating DAI, mm -hmm. but at the same time give those fees back, a partial amount of fees back to folks who wish to stake DAI into the protocol as what well. Is it? It's like 6% right, right now? Right now it's, I, I, it's gone up recently to 5%, I believe. Okay, 5%. Yeah, so, so it's 5%. It, so here in the US, in a bank, you're probably Very lucky to get 1%, yes. maybe. Save the same money and die. You got to go through the rigmarole of getting it back out if you want to spend it as cash. But you could be earning five percent. So that's a real, the real benefit. Absolutely, it really is. And the the extension to that is you could stick your money into a bank, but what you're doing is you you're sticking your money into a financial product. Mm -hmm where you take your die and you transfer it to a smart contract, which is the die savings rate. Right. And lo and behold, it's not a financial product because it's your die, it's your smart contract. Mm -hmm. It all belongs to you. The, the essence of sovereignty needs to be emphasized. Mm -hmm. You get to have full control over everything to do with your finances mm -hmm. in that respect. Be your own bank, that's what he's trying to say. That's what he's trying to say, yo, that's what he's trying to say. But it's interesting because Digital money, they had a whole section on the show floor of CES in Las Vegas. That's right. Who would have thought? I didn't even know blockchain. Oh, I knew blockchain would be there and just a bunch of companies like IBM, uh, whoever else wants to get into blockchain, UPS, FedEx, stuff. You know what I mean? It's, it's usually that kind of thing. This year, digital money section, that was cool. There were some Bitcoin ATM companies, security firms, crypto wallets. We usually see crypto wallets here before, but you know what I'm saying. I'm saying... There's really not a straightforward answer to this. I mean, the fact that crypto has made its way to CES shows just how mainstream it is. We're trying to attract more normies, right? People that have no idea what even a MakerDAO is, right? They want to be out there displaying this stuff, pointing out the obvious that everybody is soon gonna be using digital money. And you need to get on the train or you get left behind. But take a lot of effort to get that across to normal people. Let's get into coin talk now. It's time for Coin Talk, my favorite part of the day, your favorite part of the day, everybody's favorite part of the day. I mean, this is what this show's about, bro. This is how we built our following. This is how we built the blocks on blocks of blocks. <laughs> no, man, this is how we this is how we started out. We started out just talking about coins. Then we started covering news. And then before you know it, 
we started releasing main topics and then interviews and started going to conferences. Next thing you know, it's it's just become a bigger thing than I, I even wanted. <laughs> I didn't want this much responsibility. Uh, it's okay. We're, we're managing it, right? So on Monday, actually, was it Sunday? Saturday, I released a free newsletter. That's right. If you didn't know, every month I release one to two newsletters for free to the entire crypto and Bitcoin space. That's right. For free. And this newsletter comes with a podcast. That's right. With me. (laughs) I'm not trying to make this rhyme. But within that newsletter, you'll get access to some of our interesting shows that we don't show on this uh, main show because we go more in depth. It really gets into the, the nitty gritty of how the market is working, how we're looking at charts, which uh, coins we're placing bets on, which ones we're, we're not looking at. We really dive into, it's more of an insider approach to how we look at crypto 360 approach, right? But we can't do it on this show because it feels like shilling. This is more about entertainment and about education. And plus, I don't want to get slapped with a fine. <laughs> I don't want to end up on jail for, for spring break. I want to go to South by. So if you want to sign up for that, head over to Thriller x.com that's right or thrillercrypto.com or thrillercrypto.substack.com and sign up it's free it doesn't cost anything sure you could you could sign up and get all the episodes but yeah sign up it's free i think that's all i got what is that oh oh that's our disclaimer we play this so we don't get fined so roll disclaimer remember thriller podcast does not give financial advice he cannot tell the future even if he thinks can he is just some dude trying to save the world one satoshi at a time One Satoshi at a time. That is very true. That's all we try to do here. That and we try to entertain. <laughs> no, not really entertain. Well, you know, edutain. Is that educate? Education? Whatever. Okay. Coin market cap, right? We got total market cap of 208 billion. That's right. 208 billion. Bitcoin dominance is at 68.7%. We got some nice volume up there. Bitcoin currently priced at 7,800. What happened this week? Well, you know, it, it was it was down. It was down a week ago. We, we were at 6,800. A lot of people were crying, right? Uh, we had Magic Poop Cannon <laughs> out there, one of the worst crypto traders of all time, saying that, <laughs> saying that we're going to go down to 2K, uh, sell your Bitcoins, uh, seize loss, we lost the war, all that kind of crap. Yeah, Magic Poop Cannon said we were going nowhere. And then all of a sudden, what happened? What happened? What happened in a couple of days? Well, turns out, January 6th, Everybody went back to work. The world, the entire world went back to work, right? People started reinvesting because it's the beginning of the year. And then we shot up. That's right. We shot up above 8K. Roll it, Julio. One more time. Oh, it feels so great. Oh, man. <laughs> feels so great, man. We got some Daft Punk playing in the background, you know. We're up above 8K. Uh, well, 
everything was good. I'll tell you what, though. I was scared. I was briefly scared when we went to 8,400. Why was I scared? Well, if you know one thing, it, when things are going great, you want them to go great, right? But when things start going really great, <laughs> if it, I was just saying, if it shot up 9K, right? If we got above 9K this week, I would have been so scared about my Bitcoin because I didn't want it to rise just yet. Everybody in this entire fucking space knows <laughs> five to six weeks before the happening, we're going to reach a peak, right? Everybody knows this. This is not this is not blind tea, reading tea leaves. <laughs> this is not tarot card reading. This is how it's always done, right? Why would you fight history? Why would you fight the whales? This is what's supposed to happen. Well, when it got above like 8,400, I was scared. I was like, holy crap, we're going to go above 9K now. I hope not. I hope not. Go back down. Yeah, there's a lot of buzz on Bitcoin. Now we're at 7,800. Now we can breathe, breathe. And finally, we can we can wait it out. I think ultimately, making sure that we're above 9K heading out of January is the ideal place to be, right? Then that way we have February and March to climb above 10K. And then hopefully, hopefully during South By or during blockchain week, we see the the major rise that all of us are expecting, <laughs> and and me personally, everybody has their 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 their. their I'm going to take profits here. I'm, I'm gonna I'm shooting for this. I think I'm hoping we, we're going to get back to 14k. I think that's a safe freaking bet. I do, and I think most people out there probably listen to the wrong people. I do not have a dime in Bitcoin, and I'm a multimillionaire. I'm just saying. I'm just saying there's some people out there that are perma perma bears, right? They, they want it to go down even more. Me too. I would love to see $2,000 Bitcoin. Is it going to happen? Heck no. I don't think so. Not, not, <laughs> they would have to be, there'd have to be a ban on Bitcoin or something would have to go catastrophic for that to happen. And that's just not in the cards. It doesn't look like, right? And investing it in Bitcoin. Gosh, I hate that guy. <laughs> Seriously, man, freaking Dave Ramsey. He's our uh, he's our villain for the entire financial world. Okay, <laughs> just kidding. I freaking love Dave Ramsey. I listen to him all the time. Actually, I don't. He sucks. Okay, <laughs> okay. If you got Ethereum and uh, Bcash, I mean, Bit, I mean, Bit Bcash. It's not Bcash. It's Bitcoin Cash. I'm sorry, Roger. Um, we got. Um, yeah, Bitcoin Cash, 238. I mean, I feel like Bitcoin Cash has done shit in like a year, right? At least Ethereum's going up and down. There's some there's some trading there. You know, you got some options, right? You got DeFi, staking. You got XRP dumping again. What's up with that, Brad? Brad? What's up with that, Brad? That works if the accounts are pre-funded. And what we have found and is there's more efficient ways to manage liquidity. Yeah, it's called uh, going after newbies. <laughs> Woo! Come on, let it rain, Julio, let it rain. Good job, man. Jeez. You're bringing your A game today. I love that, Julio. 
you're all right for an intern. Okay. Now, <laughs> I feel like we haven't covered shit. Okay, no, no, seriously, we are going to cover some stuff. Because I got swag, I wanted to make it look good. Yeah, that too. We're, we're going to cover some stuff. But ultimately, you look at Tezos, man. This has surprised a lot of people. I'm not lying, man. This this is just uh, a little bit a little bit crazy to think that this was 40 cents a year ago. Yeah, go back. Go back. This was 40 cents a year ago. It's $1.30. Um I've never felt more pressure <laughs> to buy an altcoin than I do right now. And Tezos is one of them, man. Um, and, and honestly, this is the worst time to be buying altcoins, right? Because after the halving, everything's going to dump, right? Everything's going to go kaput. Everything's going to fall, right? And then when it dumps, we're going to see this altcoin market just start up again. It's going to be a nice little reset we're going to have in the middle of the year this year. It's going to be great. But... Should I should I buy Tezos? I don't I don't think so. I mean, I feel like I should just wait. I should just wait to this next big bull run that starts after this happening. Right now, you look at look at something like Cosmos. It's it's up eight percent on the day just because of the news from Coinbase, right? Four dollars and thirty four cents. Freaking Chainlink, another another surprise from last year, right? Up four percent on the day at two dollars and twenty two cents. Yeah, this this whole space. Is getting pretty amped up right now. And people are starting to notice. I think that's all I got. I think that's all I got for Coin Talk. Seriously. I mean, right now, I'm just anticipating a really slow January. That's what I'm hoping for. I, w- I want to see us go over 9K, but towards the end of January. I don't want us to see us. I don't want us to see us. I don't <laughs> I don't want us, I don't want to see us go above 9K until the end of January. I mean, that would be ideal, in my in, in my opinion. Right. Okay. With that, let's get into our main topic today. We are talking the future of decentralized entertainment. That's right. We got Troy Murray. We got Zach LeBeau. These are two of the smartest people in the entire fucking world. I'm not even joking when I say that. I'm serious. They're the smartest fucking guys in the industry when it comes to creating something brand new and giving it a reason to fucking exist. Seriously, they are taking pieces of all different projects. They're putting it together. They're calling signals DAO. They're throwing it on crypto, throwing it on blockchain, throwing out a token, right? But what's interesting is this is going to be decentralized as fuck. (laughs) Seriously, this is big. And they come and talk to us about it. Let's do it. Main topic starting now.
right, ladies and gentlemen, it's today's main topic. Today we are talking the future of decentralized entertainment. What does that mean? Why should you care? Well, we're here talking to Troy and Zach from Singular DTV and Singles DAO. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Hey Car. Hey Car, thanks hey. for having us. So Troy, who wants to start first? Troy, Zach, who tell us about yourselves, tell us where you come from. Are you, you guys are located in New York, I think. So give us a little rundown of who you all are. Well, actually, Singular DTV, we, we launched our TGE, a.k.a. ICO, back in 2016. Uh, our, we're headquartered in Switzerland, actually. And uh, we've got offices in uh, Hong Kong, Los Angeles, uh, and New York. And um, our entire mission is basically programmatically embedding intellectual property and data vessels on the blockchain, uh, known as tokens, and then making those relevant by creating an infrastructure where uh, creators can control their rights, revenue, residuals, and royalty in the distribution process. So um, I don't know how technical everyone is about the entertainment industry, but that's a pretty big thing. And we sort of opened Pandora's box when we started this. And uh, yeah, now we're on really the ride of our lives because the entertainment industry is just full of intermediaries and gatekeepers. And because we're trying to disrupt that, um, yeah, it's a it's a hell of an exciting time. And Troy, what do you what do you uh, what do you do over there at uh, at Singular DTV and Singles Dell? So I work strategy for the, the mother company. I uh, make sure that everything's kind of on the right path towards decentralization. And then when it comes to the Singles DAO, I helped to architect the technical aspects of how the DAO can facilitate the decentralization of the entire, like the, the back end of the technical aspect of it all. Awesome. So I'm a big fan of Breaker.io. I'm, I, I mean, freaking love it. <laughs> it's a, a lot of our listeners, check it out. Um, we, we covered you guys during uh, Ethereal Summit last year and then during South By. Uh, we had a lot of good, good feedback from those episodes and yeah, man, you guys are just slaying on that. How did that? How did Breaker.io come up, and um, how is that going to fit with uh, with everything here? Yeah, so Breaker.io was uh, the beta of our entire rights management system. Oh, it was a beta the whole time. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, well, it te- technically it's still a beta. Oh, wow. You know, if you can think of us, Singular DTV is like the uh, 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 the development studio. You know, we created Breaker as uh, our, one of our first decentralized applications. So with, with Breaker, we're just diving into figuring out how rights management on the blockchain works. And, uh, you know, it's leading to a lot of interesting and exciting possibilities. Uh, the, the, the DAO, uh, an entertainment DAO is, is one of them. Yeah, so, the, so the, the way we've been looking at Breaker is that it's the first and the high-end entertainment portal that allows for different services to be offered to people who come in and use the singles DAO, which is the governance layer of the singles media distribution protocol. Uh, that protocol itself is actually a torrent protocol. Um, and that those torrents are then hashed to Ethereum wallet addresses that correspond to the content creators. So whenever you see someone, or if you go on there and you upload your content into the breaker ecosystem, you're actually putting it onto the singles media distribution protocol, which is then connected to your Ethereum wallet. 
Um, that protocol itself, like I said, is governed by that DAO, and that DAO has different functions that connect to it. But that any any portal can come in and build on top of that uh, that distribution protocol and have different portals. But the high end, uh, the high, the different high end aspects are really located on Breaker. Um, and this is what we this is the architecture we've come to in the last kind of year, really. Uh, of exploring of how to really get the pieces to fit together correctly. Yeah, and when I when I go on Breaker.io, man, it's so slick. Like, it's just a lovely website. <laughs> like, it looks great on the phone. It, I mean, it looks great on a tablet. Um, watching content on there. You also guys have the app. Like, like everything that I've seen for for from coming out of Breaker is just like high, really high art in my opinion. There's some really good movies interesting music um documentaries like yeah really really amazing job with that well, yeah, thank thanks, you. Car. what do you think what do you think of the one of the things I, i'm really impressed by on our digital app is the integration of how we did the wallet system for uh users where i've never seen another crypto web 3 application where you're able to store your actual crypto wallet on your phone and then put it into the app. That's one of the things I think that hasn't gotten a lot of press uh, or attention, in my opinion, that really kind of is changed. Is, it's, it's radically different than how most. Yeah, like MetaMask or like some of these other ones. Yeah, for sure. Um, exactly. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the different like aspects of everything. And I'm, I'm starting to wonder, like, how does this decentralized entertainment industry actually like, like how are you guys like? I know I know you guys are like probably like rocket scientists when it when it, when it comes to like seeing the future and like going there and and you guys probably have a, a end goal. But for the common folk out here, <laughs> how do how, how are y'all looking at decentralized entertainment like going forward? You don't have to give us your strategy or anything, but like where do you see that kind of shifting? Well. There's a difference, I think, between where it could shift and where we want it to go, because ideally where we want it to go is to have a really a real meaningful equity relationship between audience and the artist or the project, because, you know, then that's the that that's a real revolution in entertainment distribution wise. You know, the, the entire reason why we, we decided to do entertainment and distribution on the blockchain was because. Uh, producers and artists and creators, they're, they're basically having to give over their rights uh, of whatever they create uh, to sales agents or distributors uh, during this marketing and distribution process. So when the distributors take the, uh, the rights to the project, uh, they pretty much do whatever they want with it from there and all the revenue that they, that they collect from the exploitation of the intellectual property, they receive. And then they get to decide how much they want to distribute to the original artists or the creators. Well, when you put blockchain into the equation, uh, you cut out the intermediaries and the gatekeepers, and you can actually have a, a real meaningful relationship right between the artists and the, and the distributors. The problem, though, the challenge, though, with that is that there's, there's jurisdictions out there. There's regulators out there. There's the SEC, the FINMA. There's FINMA. There, there's all these things out there who um, uh, are afraid for that to happen. Uh, because uh, where we want to go isn't quite legal just yet, but uh, you know we create the technology because it's the right thing to do, and hopefully uh, uh, one of these uh, years quite soon 
um, the regulators, uh, the governments will catch up uh, to what we do. So um, we have to uh, walk this very fine line right now of what's an equity relationship between the artist and, 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 and the projects or the, or, or the art uh, or the audience. Um, so we're in it for the long game here, you know. Uh, we opened Pandora's box when we decided to do this. And uh, it's just innovation for the sake of innovation now and uh, trying to uh, uh, educate um, uh, the regulators and, and the different jurisdictions around the world on why this is important and meaningful. And, uh, you know, so therefore we innovate. Uh, the most exciting thing that we've got going on right now is this entire decentralized autonomous organization, uh, uh, this, the Singles DAO that we're launching uh, that I think is going to uh, basically revolutionize the way people interact with entertainment because there's so many different emergent possibilities. And, and Troy, I know you're, you know, s steeped in the, in the minutia of that. And you've got a lot of really interesting things to talk about. That. Yeah. So when it comes to the decentral autonomous organization for the for the singles protocol, it's like I was saying earlier, it acts as a governance layer. And so what that, mean, what that allows for is it has, it has, it has a couple different mechanisms built into it. One is the, that it's designed to be an adaptive protocol so that as people present option or protocol upgrades, uh, the system itself actually adapts to the needs of the community. So let's say right, right now we facilitate all different types of media, digital media that can come into it. But what if a new form of digital media needs to come into that protocol and it needs to upgrade? the system can actually change itself to allow for funding into the treasury and that treasury will then fund the development so that it, it exists outside of any jurisdiction except digital jurisdiction and it can right. just adapt to what's needed, right? So if you look at stuff that like HTMI, HTML1 or HTML2, all those are funded by private organizations that come in and fund that, but you need those private organizations. The way we designed this was so that the, the protocol itself can actually just adapt to the needs of the community. Uh, that itself is radical. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's one of the bigger problems that we keep running into in the Web3 space is how do we, how do we, monet, how do we continually monetize the upgrading of all these different protocols? So at that point, Troy, sorry to, sorry to cut you off, but at that point, does, does that mean that the, the DAO will automatically generate, I guess, new singles is is that what the, the token will it generate to to pay for these these upgrades or how does that work okay so that's a great question and so the next the, the next part of that is there's actually three parameters that the dao has built into it that can that they can that, that it controls on the protocol uh the first is the listing fee the second is the transaction percentage rate and the third will be the staking fee uh the the third one, the staking fee, it connects to the, the last mechanism that's built into the DAO, which is called content mining. Uh, we can get into that in a second. But the first two are the ones that you were going to launch, uh, hopefully in probably Q2 of 2020, um, when the DAO launches. And the ideas behind that is that there will be a small, very small fee set by the community, set by the DAO, uh, that when you try to list something, and we're talking minuscule here, not yeah. like not the same as when you try to list something on Vimeo or any of these other centralized distribution platforms. This will, we, because we work in crypto, we can actually do microtransactions to facilitate this. So there will be no, the, the only rent seeking will be the actual 
uh, miners on the network or the validators hopefully pretty soon would be 2.0. So we can do, we can do percentages or uh, levels of payment that are possibly we could even do less than a penny uh, for upgrade payments, uh, for uploading up the content. And that, pay and that payment will go directly into the treasury that is then controlled by the DAO. And then the, uh, that, that's the listing fee. And then there's the uh, transaction fee, uh, which is actually technically a percentage. And that will also be whenever there's a transaction, whenever someone buys a movie, there'll be a small percentage of that that will be taken and put into the treasury itself. Now, nice. someone, one of, one, yeah, one of the ideas that's on the table right now, and I, I'm a big proponent of this, and we've been having this conversation on the project calls, and if anybody out there who's interested in these things, if you'd like to join us, please follow, uh, come to our forum. Uh, we, have, uh, we talk about this a lot. But the idea is that if you actually hold those singles and you have them, if you have singles and you stake those singles, then you will not have to pay that transaction fee. Nice. By doing that, we're actually building value and we're using a proven business model where if you look at uh, places like Binance or uh, uh, IDEX, where if you actually hold their token, you don't pay the, 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 uh, the, the trading fee of yeah. the platform. And it's the yeah. same idea here. So as long as you have those singles and you have them staked according to what the DAO, the community has decided to be, you won't have to pay that transaction fee. And the only fee that will come, but anyone else who wants to come in and use the system, of course, you'd have to little, pay that little bit of fee. But it's, it will be minuscule, like I said. That's pretty cool. So just, just real quick, that that's, that's, that's pretty, yeah, that's pretty groundbreaking because not only are you creating this like decentralized, you know, place that you can upload your content to um, that also pays you out, but you can also, you know, if you're a content creator and you're making these singles and then before you know it, you're like, ah, let me just stake it and watch it grow over time. It, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty genius. Yeah. So that's one of the things I really love about where we're going with it is that as, as a content creator, you actually uh, become, you become an owner of the network, the bigger your network, like the bigger of a creator you, you are. Yeah. So if you're taking in singles, so one of the things I, I keep running into when I look at uh, a lot of people like, uh, in Gen Z or uh, uh, millennials that are on yeah. YouTube content creators, there's always this big argument about like, we need to own the platform in some way. And so what we did was, is we created a protocol that allows for those creators to come in and own, and then they can create their own platforms from it. And if you want the high end services, you go to Breaker and you can license some of these really cool services that we've built into the Breaker ecosystem. It's, it's pretty cool because like they're, you're incentivized to not only help build the singles DAO, but uh, if you get enough people on there, enough people watching you before you know it, it becomes its own, you know, crazy thing. It's it's a really smart idea. How long did you guys? How long did you guys? You know, throw stuff at the wall before <laughs> before something like this came up, or did you just kind of? It sounds like you kind of grabbed from everywhere. I can kind of see a little bit of this over here and a little bit of that that you grabbed from, and then probably your experience with Breaker.io, and then yeah, how'd you guys come up with all this stuff? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll feel that. So I, I guess a lot of it kind of came from the different business models, like you said, that are out there as because we've, we've been working on this. I mean, Zach and Kim have been working on this since when, when did when did it start? 20, 20, the idea was like 2013, right? Yeah, we 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 had the idea originally in 2013 and uh, in 2014, we began the process of hiring developers and, and creating 
an architecture uh, and a network and it, it, none of it was viable. None of it was, was possible uh, because, uh, you know, Ethereum hadn't come about. Yeah. Um, and, you know, by then, you know, because late 2013, we were well aware of Vitalik and, and the white paper of Ethereum. So we knew it was coming about. And then in 2014, we got to start to know uh, a lot a lot of the uh, uh, founders of Ethereum and, and um, partnered up with Joe Lubin and, uh, you know, crossed our fingers and, and, and hoped that once uh, Ethereum launched, that uh, it, it would be the protocol for us to base everything off of. And uh, it, it has been actually, you know, we, we've been able to innovate and, and develop um, uh, on the Ethereum protocol with, with uh, uh, actually we haven't had any issues or problems with it uh, so far, but it's, it's led to, to so many um, amazing ideas like the single style, for example, that, that Troy is leading. Yeah, and one of the great things is is that we've been able to leverage all the different building that's been going on on the Ethereum network. So when you when you hear about a lot of these different uh, mechanisms inside the DAO that we're yeah. using, a lot of them, you're right, they a, a lot of them have been taken from other projects and then kind of finessed to work for what we need it to be, which is I think really the power of Ethereum. Um, and so I if you look if you look at like the past two or three years, people have been looking for business models of how to actually run businesses or systems on top of this these networks. And you've seen a couple that have come and they they really started to shine. Uh, Binance is obviously one of them. That's a that's a perfect example. Right. Another one is MakerDAO. Uh, of how they were able to organize their systems so that they were able to grow their ecosystem and you could they they were able to get uh, large investments from venture capitalists there's a proven model to bring in um really really giant thinkers in the technology space honestly but um and then what we did what we've been doing is we've been taking those and then putting them and making it so it, it fits for ours and then uh the the, the I think the big the big giant step will be the content mining where wait what's that so that's the final mechanism um and so the that that's that was the third perimeter or perimeter that I was talking about where it's the staking fee and so okay. content mining is a way to build a system that that allows for you have to, you literally have to mine the content into the system. So in the long run, what we'll have is uh, like validators that allow for uh, media to get onto the protocol. Um, and what and what that means from a macro philosophical standpoint for society um, is is one of my favorite things to just kind of dive into to think about. But we we don't need to get into that now. We it's kind of a big broad subject. <laughs> um, but it's it, it's it's the final it's the absolute final way to decentralize the system. Nice. It's like the it's the key to it, right? Um, this way, no one no one can come in and and, and uh, say, "Hey, uh, Troy, we need you to <laughs> do this or do that." And you're like, "Hey, I don't have the keys to that castle." Exactly. Yeah. And so it's it's what we call it censorship resistant because we don't want anything. 
to just end up on that protocol. Uh, and we don't want to have to constantly be guarding the protocol. The protocol needs to be um, its own entity, its own decentralized autonomous organization. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that, that, oh, that, 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 that's the door, right? That's, that, that is the key to the whole thing. Um, and that has elements of like proof of stake mechanisms, um, prediction markets, uh, and, and that, that's what I've, I've been focusing a lot on lately, honestly. So, yeah. That's going to be fun. I can't wait. I can't wait to you guys. Uh, when is the, when is the launch happening here? Is it this Q1? Is it here? So we're, we, okay. So in, in Q1, we're really hoping to have the token swap. So singles will, will, uh, go through a token upgrade, which essentially is going to be a token swap. Uh, it'll be a one-to-one. And that will allow for these different functions to be built into the token to run the DAO. Um, and, in, and then after that, the DAO will also launch. Uh, that will probably happen in Q2. And then in, when that DAO launches, it will have uh, the two first parameters built into it, which will be the listing and the transaction fee. Um, so yeah, so it's gonna be a busy six months. Yeah, I can, <laughs> you guys are gonna be really busy <laughs> this first half of the year. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, Hey Zach. So when, when you were planning this in the early days, like what, what, what was that like? Uh, Cause you said that Ethereum hadn't launched yet, but you had this vision, right? Like how do you get through like that year <laughs> before? Like, how does that work? Like what mindset did you guys have back then? Yeah, it was, um, it was a test of, of, of patience. That's for sure. Uh, you know, Kim Jackson is a co-founder. She's also my wife. She's the CEO of Singular DTV and Breaker right now. But she's been a film producer for several years, for, for well over a decade. And her her inspiration for this was basically to, you know, she was tired of seeing the movies that she produced um, be taken over by sales agents and distributors and then having this creative accounting takeover where she never really saw uh, a, a transparent uh, accounting to understand exactly how much uh, the movies that she produced made in the distribution process. So, you know, uh, unfortunately that's, that's where the producers, the, the, the filmmakers get screwed over. So that, that was her, that was her uh, inspiration. Mine was basically, I just didn't want gatekeepers to tell me when and how I could actually create something and get it out in the world. So there was a bit of a rebellion and anarchical type of, uh, of feeling uh, around this and, yeah, uh, Carl, there was a lot of frustration, you know, 2014, banging our heads against, you know, trying to use the Bitcoin protocol and, and all these other altcoin protocols or to develop our own. Uh, it, it was tough. And, and you know, it, it took a lot of uh, uh, money and, 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 and tears and, and uh, you know, so it, it was one of these things, too, where when we told everybody else in, in the entertainment industry what we were doing, uh, they thought we were freaking crazy. Really? They, they couldn't possibly see it. They didn't understand blockchain. They thought crypto was some sort of Ponzi scheme or scam. But, um, you know, slowly, slowly, uh, they started to come around. And, of course, what makes them come around more than anything else? It's Price. the success of, uh, of, yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, the mooning of, of Bitcoin and Ethereum. All of a sudden, everyone's ears perk up. and They go, hey, what's this? And we're like, well, you know. We, we tried telling you about here. it. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> So, you know, it, it, was, it was amazing because what we did 
was we hired a bunch of you know top professionals from Hollywood and from the international entertainment industry. And you know, that's who we hired to help advise and build our distribution system that became Breaker.io. So when all these other production companies in Hollywood or across the world started to realize what we were doing and saw you know, the back end of it, you know, all the reporting and the transparency, they were like, oh shit, you guys are doing something pretty, uh, you know, wow, we've never seen this before. So they actually started to uh, uh, really pay attention and that's why we've got so much great content on Breaker. You know, that's why we're doing, uh, 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 you know, projects with like Steven Soderbergh, you know, and David Lynch and things yeah. like that because they, they, they've been looking for, you know, uh, um, something, uh, some sort of like fix for, for this broken system. And, um, you know, so, so we've got that, that's Breaker.io basically. So right. now, now it's just about taking it to that next level. Right. You know, it kind of reminds me of, I don't know if this is true or not. You probably would know more about this act than I would, but I remember when uh, MLB TV came out and it was streaming. And I think um, they started licensing their, um, their back end, uh, I think to HBO and some other, you know, big uh, entertainment um, conglomerates that wanted to do the same thing they were doing. Um, it's kind of interesting how that is kind of replaying out with you guys now, but you're like, Hey, we got a decentralized protocol you can use. Um, how is, how is the, uh, how is the documentation part going to work out for all that, uh, Troy? Like, uh, are you guys going to have a website with like documentation or are you just going to throw it up on Git or how is that, how is that going to function? Yeah. So the, 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 I've been calling, but it's interesting that you brought up the MLB thing because I, I thought about that before, but not in this context. So I've been calling it um, a TV studio in a box. Nice. People. Dude, you are coming up with like really simplified names for this stuff. I love it. And so it will be, um, it will be located on Git and there'll be all the documentation of how you can implement it and use it and build upon it for yourself. Um, it will be a very stripped down, bare bones UI, uh, easy to download. You can then create your own app. Or, and then if you want to have all the cool bells and whistles, uh, Breaker will have that for licensing. Nice. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be real. It, it will be very straightforward, breakdown, documented. Um, all the specs will be there. You'll be able to pull different uh, projects from around the Ethereum ecosystem into your own app if you want to build something kind of crazy or different. I really want to build it so that it's a creator's system. So anyone, like, I, I would love to see things that we can't even imagine right now. That, right. That, that's, my, that's my dream. It's something that we don't even think about. Because I remember um, some of the early days uh, when, because Zach and I actually met each other um, in, uh, at consensus, uh, back in 2015, well, this is a long time ago. And I, and th there was a lot of ideas flowing around at that time. And I remember people were coming, uh, into the singular, uh, chat room, uh, like, like little chat room. And, uh, there was all these different ideas just flying around. Um, and I remember people were coming up with like, Oh, we want to have a viewer with chat programs in it and all these, like all these different crazy ideas. And I, I, I really loved that uh, creative spirit. Right. Um, and if we can, if we can, if we can, uh, capture that and then give it to the world, uh, I think that will, that'll be really special. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. Getting it down to something that's really simple, 
with that has specs that people can come in on and build is key. And that is definitely um, one of my goals. But it will be it'll it'll just be hosted on Git for sure. Yeah. And so Zach, uh, as far as like the entertainment industry, you said okay, so you guys you guys went through that whole process of like you know, kind of waiting, anticipating it, and then it happens 2017. Then you have all this kind of interest. Where does that put you as just, you know, because I, I, I would imagine like if I, if I could put myself in your shoes for a second, I would think, okay, I have all these people coming toward me. Um, I don't want to get into the like private company. Yes, I'll take care of this for you kind of thing for the industry. I want to save the world and do this decentralized thing. Like, how do you how do you battle those two things, or did that even come into play? Well, there, there's three different angles to all of that. You know, the first thing that we aimed to achieve was this meaningful equity relationship between audience and artist, or or the project. And what that basically meant was, you know, the original vision, which you could go on a breaker, for example, and if you were if you were audience, um, uh, you would consume uh, a movie, you would watch a movie, for example, and in order to watch that movie, you would have to buy that movie's token. And that movie's token was not only the uh, the price of admission, the ticket to watch it, but it was also an equity piece in the movie itself. So, uh, and, and that movie might only float to the public a certain percentage of its overall tokenized ecosystem. So what would end up happening, the more participation, the more consumption of that movie, then the more demand for that movie's token. Uh, and then, you know, economic factors, market factors would, would come into play. And then, you know, the, the, the movie's value, the token, the token, the movie's token, its tokenized ecosystem would rise or fall depending on, on the consumption. You know, that's the overall dream of what we want to get to. Uh, that's number one. Um, that's going to take some time. Okay. Right. Number two is, is, is this uh, business to consumer uh, type aspect that, that isn't this equity uh, play, but, you know, what we realized with Breaker, of course, is that, you know, for us to, to launch a distribution system uh, and, we, and, 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 the, and the beautiful thing about Breaker.io is rights management on the blockchain actually exists. And it exists yeah, that's cool. uh, uh, with, with, with Breaker.io. It's the first ever. Um, but we're not Netflix. We're not Apple. We don't have billions of dollars. You know, Amazon, their entire, you know, film budget is like a write off. You know, we can't possibly compete with, with those with those big entities. Uh, we can't spend million, you know, millions on, uh, on marketing. We can't spend a billion dollars on content creation and acquisition. But what we can do, what we, what we, what we do have, which they don't have, uh, is this blockchain rights management innovation uh, underneath the hood. So that leads to the third thing. You know, it, it's not a B2C play. It's, it's the B2B play. Uh, it's the business-to-business play where we can actually use the rights management technology that we've created within Breaker to to infiltrate uh, the the entertainment industry. Okay, we can take this institution and slowly proliferate it by allowing them to use our our, our back end accounting modules, so that okay. uh, uh, production companies and studios uh, and other movies can can benefit from this efficiency uh, and transparency. So um, that's interesting. Those are the main three things that 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 we've. Uh, uh, really been developing uh, this fourth thing. Actually, there is a fourth thing. 
and that's what you don't have to give it all. Don't give it all away. <laughs> well, no, it's this entire singles down. Oh, the singles down. Okay, yeah, of course. Yeah, which which is uh, it really sort of you know makes uh, the average entertainment um, executive's head spin because there's so many emergent possibilities and it's such a new new concept uh, that we really have to actually just uh, show it and and prove what it can do. Um, uh, before we really know what the possibilities are, you know, we, we have our, our, our white paper out and, and Troy, if you could, you know, let everyone know in a moment here where people can see the white paper and where the forum is, but, uh, you know, everything in the white paper, in my opinion, is just scratching the surface, you know, right. it's not where we're going to end up. It's, it's what's going to lead us to where we're going to end up. It's all about iteration for the sake of iteration. Absolutely. And, you know, it's purely research and development for research and development. And, you know, what, what we can find uh, as far as revenue generators and, and exciting, exciting things along the way, uh, that remains to be seen. Yeah, it was uh, Tessa reached out to me this week and she was like, hey, I got something brewing over here. It's like, what, what's going on? She told me about Singles Down. I went to look it up. I spent, a, spent my lunch, you know, the other day looking at it. And I was just like, wow, this is really this is really smart. And that's what I was telling. Uh, I was telling Troy, I was like, man, it looks like you guys grabbed from a lot of different places. And, and you can see and there's. There's care. And then not only that, but one thing that Breaker, you guys have always done really well is the way you ex- um, explain things to the average consumer. Um, like when, when uh, a while ago, Troy is like, oh, no, it's a TV in a box or, or, or network in a box. Like you guys have a really good way of explaining really hard tech to consumers and not everybody can do that really well at all. That's like one of the biggest problems in the space is unable to translate the, the difficult to the average consumer. But you guys do that flawlessly that I've seen uh, just by watching y'all. Um, as far as far as like the space right now, where we're in, what we're in 2020, where everything's going, what do you guys think of the space right now? Ethereum, Bitcoin, everything, and just kind of overall like vibe going into 2020. What's y'all's opinion? I think we differ uh, there a little bit, Troy. You go first. <laughs> okay, I'm actually pretty excited for the developments that been going on inside of the space. I think we've had a clearing out of a lot of ideas that probably weren't ready for prime time yet, and we've started to see real activity, uh, different revenue models uh, emerge that are working. Um, I'm very excited about E2.0. I think that's going to be pretty big when that when that smart contract launches. Um, I'm very impressed with a lot of the staking networks that are out there right now. I think we've might have solved the Oracle problem. Uh, that's huge. Um, I'm really pumped about decentralized finance. Uh, I'm really, really into a lot of the governance structures that I've seen emerging even on other protocols like Tezos. I'm really impressed with the work that's been going on over there, even though I I do wonder about layer one governance. Uh, Right. So I'm excited. Um, When it comes down to a price issue, I think uh, I think we're in the we're definitely in the trough of disillusionment, though. So but this is always that's always the best time to be in a system in in an eco. Yeah. (laughs) You only got only one way to go. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, and Zach, I'm, I'm definitely optimistic. Uh, I am uh, now more than ever more skeptical and cautious uh, because uh, you know we're talking about changing, evolving, innovating, disrupting um, an industry that uh, is set its set in its ways, 
and 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 has been, you know, run by a very small number of large conglomerates, uh, yeah. more than ever, uh, but for a very long time. And uh, it's we're we're this is this is a a long term endeavor. You know, we're in it for the long haul. There's not going to be any instant gratification or overnight uh, evolutions or revolutions with this. Um, it is uh, a generational thing that's going to happen. You know, um, yeah, Amazon started out. I remember Amazon started out in the late '90s. They were just a, basically a bookstore online. Yeah, know? I remember. And and look at them now, like twenty some years later, uh, and it, and it took that long for them to. Uh, they had to actually retrain or help to train an entire generation of people um, from everything to how they consume entertainment to how they shop online to to a, a number of things. And, and, and this is what we're in for as well. So we sit here in 2020 um, and it's going to, you know, we'll, we'll be sitting here uh, in, in, you know, 2030, 2040. Uh, and if we have the endurance and the wherewithal, you know, this is something that we should be doing for the rest of our lives and, and bearing fruit for it too. Yeah, it, it kind of, this this time right now just reminds me of like, I don't know, I think it was Jeff Bezos always talks about how, you know, they're going to do their whole, the you know, rocket to the moon and how he said like, oh no, we're just going to be the the FedEx and the UPS to, to, to just to get to the moon. It's the people that's going to be on our backs that are going to create everything on the moon. And it's kind of like y'all are having to like, roll out this whole railroad system, you know, like if just plain speak, and then you guys are doing even more with the second layer and third layer. And it's just like, wow, like you guys are doing an awesome job. And I appreciate both of y'all and the entire team there for uh, rolling this out for all of us. Like hats off. Thank you. Well, thank you, Carr. Appreciate the positive vibes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you guys are, you guys are in the space and, um, you guys, you guys are preaching the same thing that we preach here every every week. So, um, I think I think that's all I got. Any other uh, things that we need to talk about? I know the website is singlesdow.io. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, Troy, is that? Uh, yeah, the the website singlesdow.io. Um, if you want to also check out our GitHub, it's github.com backslash singular dtv. Um, and the form is actually located on the website. So if you go to the website, you, there's a layer, there's a button at the top that just says form. You can find it really easily. Awesome. Yeah, and, and I'd like to say uh, to everyone listening to this uh, too, you know, if, if you're in blockchain, uh, if you're part of the cryptoverse, uh, check out breaker.io, okay? Uh, it, it's, it's the first blockchain rights management uh, entertain, entertainment streaming portal. Uh, you know, support entertainment on the blockchain. Yes. Blockchain.io. There's a lot of really great movies, TV, and, and music on there. Check it out. Yes, absolutely. Everybody, I, I, I mean, we've always covered y'all. We've always bring up this stuff all the time. And I tell them, if we don't support them, uh, how are we supposed to change the world? I mean, this is, this is what it's all about. So I appreciate you guys coming on the show. And thank you so much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get on to the end of the show.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, another Thriller Crypto is Dunsies. Thank you so much for listening. Really, really appreciate you. You know, if you haven't checked out Breaker.io, go check it out. It's an amazing website. They have an amazing app. They have an enormous amount of content, and it's very, very high quality. You have to check it out. I want to thank Troy and Zach for coming on the show. I appreciate y'all. And remember, go out there and participate in this decentralized movement. That's right. Buy the coin. Save the world. See you next time. This is the end of the show. Yeah.